hey everyone and welcome to another episode of OIMS Unfiltered. I'm Adrian and I'm one of your hosts. I'm now a second year student at the University of Toronto studying life sciences. Hi, I'm Samira and I'm also one of your hosts. I'm a grade 11 student at Kitchener Collegiate Institute. So in today's episode, we're talking all about Western University. We'll be answering questions about the university, the program, student life, housing, personal experiences, and so much more. So we have two amazing guests with us here today. We have David and we have Ryan. They're both recent grads from the med science program at Western. Just before we get started, do you guys want to tell us where in the world you're at right now and how are you guys doing today? Yeah, sure. Um, I'm doing good. Um, I'm David, by the way, for the listeners on the podcast. Um, I am a recent grad from Western in the medical sciences program. I did my honor spec in physiology, and I'm currently in Toronto, Ontario. Uh, hello, everyone. My name is Ryan, and I have also graduated from a medical science program at Western University, and I have specialized in uh, honor specs, uh, interdisciplinary medical sciences. In, yeah, and uh, I'm currently located in North Europe, Toronto. Northern Ontario, yay, Young and Finch gang. <laughs> All right, so the first question we've got lined up for today, for you guys today, comes straight from our Instagram at Ontario Youth Med Society. And what people are really wondering is, you know, a big question for high school students, med sci, health sci, similar names, but slightly different programs. Um, how do you guys feel about it? And do you feel that med sci is harder than health sci? And what sort of your experience been so far? All right. Honestly, I'm not going to lie. This is probably the question that everyone wants to know. I'm going to tell it to you straight up from personal experience. I applied to McMaster Health Sciences, rejected straight out. I'm not going to sugarcoat it. That's just how it is. And I feel like that's how it is for a lot of the med size students. Um, by the numbers, I think like Western Med is supposed to be like the second highest program uh, with like kids going to medical school after and stuff. But Honestly, as the medical schools tell you on their application page and like with their criteria and everything, you do not have to go to even like a science undergraduate degree program in order to be admitted to medical schools. So at the end of the day, going to Western MedSci, going to Mac HealthSci, you know, going to like Humber for like cooking school or something, like you're honestly like at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter. Um, in terms of does uh, or how hard MedSci is versus HealthSci. I'm not gonna lie, for all my friends who, who have gone into HealthSci, they say they have a lot of spare time. <laughs> and honestly, some of them seem like they're having an e easier time than even grade 12. I will tell you straight up, Western MedSci is not really like that. Um, in terms of high school, I personally went to Northern Secondary School, which is in Toronto at Young and Edlington. Um, and I was in their gifted program. Not that that really means like anything. Um, but I feel like first year university was like tough. It was hard. It was a lot more time spent studying and the courses were harder, the tests were harder and all that sort of stuff. Um, but I think with Mac health side, I feel like maybe the, the reviews aren't exactly the same. Mm -hmm. If you don't mind me asking, like if you're comfortable sharing, of course, what was your average like for grade 12 or whatever you're, you applied with? Yeah, sure. I, I believe my average after... I think you have to do like your first round of grades and then they see that and then they, you submit like your whole, like your marks again for the university application process, yeah, right? Yeah. Um, so yeah. the, the first time around, my average, I think was like a 91.5. Wow. 
pretty good. Wow. <laughs> good job. <laughs> That's impressive. Right. And so Ryan, um, for you, what was your process sort of getting into MedSide? David, unfortunately, got rejected from McMaster, but I mean, it's a crazy competitive program there. Uh, so yeah, what was, what was your route sort of getting into the medical science program at Western? Honestly, uh, I had a very weird thought process because I really didn't know what I wanted to do in the future, right? So I applied to different programs like, like MedSci, LifeSci, but also applied to engineering as well in Waterloo. And chemical engineering Waterloo was my first choice to go to, but I did not, I, I didn't choose to go there because a lot of my friends chose to go to Vesai. And yeah, honestly, I do not recommend this way of thinking, but honestly, it was a pretty, pretty fun time in Western. Yeah. To answer Samir's question to David, my, uh, I had a very, also again, very weird grade 12 year. I had, I only had two classes in the first semester. I had uh, advanced functions and physics. And so, yeah, with those two marks, I applied to Western and I had a, a 95 average, but they really didn't know. They really didn't know second semester. I, I hit them up with a 87, but uh, they accepted me already. So I'm out. <laughs> that conditional offer of acceptance. It's like, once you've got it, you're like, I'm golden, right? Yeah, Mom. you're chilling. <laughs> <laughs> I have a question about that actually. So like, so for your program, there's like six prerequisites, right? Um, and so did you have them already done when you did those two or like, how does that work? Uh, uh, I don't, like it, I don't believe that I finished all the six courses bef uh, before I applied uh, oh, to the okay, university. Okay. Yeah, I had to complete it. Uh, during the second semester of my uh, grade 12 year right I think that's how it worked it was too long ago I I'm sorry <laughs> if I'm wrong that's okay but yeah that, that kind of clears me. Mm -hmm. thank mm -hmm. you cool so something a very sort of specific questions that one of our audience members has is you know first year university uh it can be rough uh and you know a lot of people have to end up or choose to end up retaking courses sort of to get better grades in that specifically looking at the medical sciences program or also overall from what you guys have heard does that sort of hurt your chances of getting accepted into like a program maybe in third and fourth year or maybe after that looking at grad school and stuff like that wow that is a very good question um to be completely honest, I'm not too familiar with anyone who has retaken any courses, uh, at least in like the MedSci program uh, in first year, or actually anyone who's really retaken any courses at all. So I don't think I can really speak too well on the topic. Hmm. Uh, I, I do have a friend who had to retake second year statistics uh, from MedSci, and I don't think there was a, I don't think she had any disadvantages in getting into different modules. And I'm, I'm not sure about grad schools, but of course I was researching when I was in like third year or fourth year applying to medical schools. And I heard that uh, uh, it's better to have a course retaken than have a poor grade because they will look at your most recent score and it probably shows like your improvement Mm -hmm. So, yeah, so I, I don't think it's a like, bad idea to retake a course if you think you have to do it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 
Thanks for that. Yeah, thank you very much. Uh, for some more background information for people who aren't too familiar with medical sciences, uh, the word module there basically just means like the certain topic you decide to specialize into uh, when it comes into third year. So um, at Western in MedSci, you go through first year and second year, and you take the same courses that you would if you were in like the general sciences program. However, by your third year, you are expected to choose a specialization, whether it be like physiology, um, interdisciplinary medical studies like Ryan did, or like cancer biology, all these, there are a bunch of different things. I think they're like 30 different modules or something. But yeah, you, you pick that and it's like your special specialization slash module and so uh, about that, so do they help you? How do they help you prepare to choose your modules? Now that is an excellent question. To be completely honest with you, they really don't give you too much assistance in <laughs> selecting this I mean, at the end of the day, I think, at least in our year, there were like 800 kids in MedSci or something. And like, that's a lot of students. And right. Don't really have any sort of program or anything, but the best thing that they have are like these info sessions where basically, like for prospective first years and second years who are looking into like specialization, um, every so often there'll be a night hosted by like um, a certain department, for example, the physiology department, just going over like their module, um, like why you would be interested in that specialization, and each module or specialization. Uh, has its own sort of dedicated student club as well. And they're a great source of information. Um, but it really is sort of on the student themselves to go look out and just see like what they might be interested in. Mm -hmm. okay. Yeah, uh, and, and to add on to that, uh, on during our sec first year and the second year, we get to taste a little bit of everything, I think. So yeah, from, from that, you can find what you're interested in. Maybe like working in a specific lab like, like, if you're in bio, like, biochem lab, you you might be more interested in biochem, like pursuing that in third year. So, yeah, it's it's really based on your interest. Like, they they don't curate like a path for you to a specific like module. So you have to search for your own, basically. Yeah. What sort of made you guys decide that like your special your modules were for you? Was it like going to those clubs and going to those events, or was there like one of those courses that you guys just were like, oh, like this is what I want, you know? Um, and I think you know a lot of high school students they're worrying a lot of them right now, what what program to take. And then once you're in first year, are you already worrying about what you want to specialize in when it comes to third year, or are you just gonna like flow through the first two years and then see what's up? Uh, maybe we'll start with Ryan this time, actually. Oh, okay, awesome. So, uh, for me, uh, again, I I studied, I I did an honor specialization in interdisciplinary medical sciences, and this is the only program in medical sciences that doesn't require a thesis project in the fourth year. And I, uh, I must say, I I have worked quite a lot in the lab during my high school and first year and second year. So, I mean, not to brag, but I have some papers. <laughs> so, and, and I didn't want really want to work too hard. And so I chose to uh, take a more relaxing course, like relaxing module, because I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be intensely researching on a specific topic, which, yeah, which I wouldn't be really interested in. But yeah, it didn't turn out too casual. 
yeah, it yeah, wasn't too fast. I can pick up the story from there. Just so, just so you guys have some more context, Ryan and I were actually roommates in third year and fourth year. So uh-huh. we, we went to. Um, but basically, the idea is that um, for people who are interested in a more specific topic, such as I'll use myself as an example throughout this. Like for me, I was more interested in physiology. Um, you're expected to do a fourth year thesis project. Um, honestly, I had no idea what that was until I was in like third year. But um, I guess for those of you who are listening who might be in high school or something, basically you sign on to a research lab. They have to take you. It's not like it's like a competitive project. Mm-hmm. They are obligated to take you. So you're inserted into a research lab and then you basically complete assignment and you complete research uh, within that research lab and you're graded on your performance. Um, the reason why it can be very taxing and a very difficult thing to do is because some people's research projects are more easy and you know they, they might only need like a few hours a week but like I knew people who were basically going in like nine to five on Monday to Friday doing like research stuff in the lab and at the end of the day it's, it's an excellent and an amazing learning experience which is I think a great strength for Western's like med sci program but at the same time that's a lot of work that is a lot a lot mm-hmm. So for Ryan, he chose to do IMS, which before at least used to be like um, uh, the route that you would take if you wanted sort of a more like generalized approach to because the name interdisciplinary medical science is so long. Like mm-hmm. basically it means that you haven't really, like you, you're not really interested in one field particularly. And it gives you a lot more freedom to explore all of the different modules uh, to sort of like a lesser depth of understanding. Um, but yeah, and then to, I guess to address why I chose physiology myself, I'm not going to lie when I was in undergraduate, all I wanted to do was get to get into medical school. Um, and you, I'd heard that physiology was the most appropriate module to take because in physiology, you learn about like the systems in the body. Um, like, you know, like, uh, like your respiratory system, your digestive system and stuff like that. And that knowledge translates the best to medical school where you have to learn like how the systems of the body work. Whereas other programs such as like medical cell biology, like you're looking at like pathways in, in within certain cell subtypes and it's just very like microscopic uh, and not as applicable to medical school. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I kind of have a personal question about that. I have no idea if you're going to be able to answer it, but for me, I also, I, I want to go into psychiatry. Like the end goal is to become hopefully mm-hmm. a psychiatrist. And is there a model module specific to that? Or would I have to take something else? And then in med school, I'd have to specialize in psychiatry. Uh, that's a pretty good question. I can't, I can't say that I'm the most knowledgeable about that. And like the best way to sort of get to that goal within the med program. But mm-hmm. something that's, I guess, kind of special about med is that um, you can choose to do one specialization in second year of medical sciences, which is the, um, the neuroscience module. Um, and okay. there courses that are tailored towards like literal like neuroscience in terms of like the physiology of the brain like how the brain works and stuff like that they're all just like psychiatry psychology and stuff like that as well Mm -hmm. okay thank you for that i did not know that thank you yeah no problem how physics heavy is your program for us we had to take a mandatory first year physics program uh physics courses uh for the entire year and personally, I think it was basically the same thing as a grade 12 physics. 
or easier if you have taken AP Physics in grade 12, because all you'll learn about is like free body diagrams and all the things you're familiar with, with from grade 11 to grade 12 physics. But uh, again, I, 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 I uh, specialized in interdisciplinary medical sciences. So I, I've been exploring a lot of things and I have taken biophysics as a course in fourth year. And you, you do have to have a very good like physics background in order to understand certain concepts in like upper year courses if you want to like pursue biophysics or anything physics related. So yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, to add on to that, um, <clears throat> it, it's exactly as Ryan's saying, like first, so we have to take one year's worth of physics um, and that's mandatory for med sci students. Uh, first semester physics is literally grade 11 physics. Like no special bells or whistles. Like it is just, you're doing like kinematics, you know, centrifugal something, you know, um, and then second semester physics is um, grade 12 physics. Um, as a disclaimer, I'm not sure how admission requirements may have changed for Western, but at least in our year, I believe grade 12 physics was not actually required uh, in order to apply to Western. So um, uh, second semester physics is basically grade 12 physics. I did not take grade 12 physics. And I do honestly think I was at a bit of a disadvantage just because like, like literally I didn't learn any of this stuff before, but at the same time, like I just put the work in and honestly, it worked out pretty well. So it's not, it's definitely not like impossible and it's definitely doable to get like good grades as well. Um, at, at least in physics. And then for me, I really did not like physics. Like that wasn't really my thing. So after first year of taking like those uh, physics courses that were mandatory, I never had to take another physics course again. And so when you go into university, um, obviously it's a more challenging atmosphere, but do they expect you to know, like, do they expect you to have like a good background and everything? Cause I know for me, uh, and I know for a lot of students who are in my shoes right now, we haven't been to the lab. Like I haven't been in the actual lab since grade 11 and, um, university's coming up I, and I already took grade 12 bio and we didn't go into a lab for anything. Uh -huh. So would you say that they expect all of us to come from a good background or do they kind of understand that not all of us know? everything very well yeah i think honestly it is they expect i think that you've like never picked up a graduated cylinder before in your life mm -hmm. like they're oh, okay starting from like ground zero and something that, that i guess is like quite accommodating or at least like from my own personal experience um in my high school we had a um i think it was called like bio bioscience or something it was weird i kind of forgot the name Oops. but basically we did like lab stuff and we did like dna extraction from a strawberry in class and stuff mm -hmm. like, honestly a lot of fun but like at the end of the day like that experience was useful but definitely was not like a deciding factor like the uh in first year you have labs where like you walk to a certain like lab room and there's just like a bunch of lab stations set up um but the instructions are so detailed and so straightforward that as long as you read the instruction, it's honestly quite difficult to mess up. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. That's good and, for me. and also the TAs, TAs in the lab, they are so nice to you. And I did not know what I was doing in my organic chemistry lab that the TAs had to help me out from the beginning <laughs> to the end. And I appreciate them so much for that. So yeah, you really don't need any like basic lab backgrounds 
to succeed in the lab courses in university is what I wanted to say. That's good. That's great news. I think especially for like Samira saying a lot of high school students coming from like a COVID grade 11 and grade 12, mm-hmm. like not having that experience might be a little scary. Speaking of, you know, these courses, OrgoChem, biology, physics, was there a specific course that really made you guys have to shift the way you guys studied and the way you guys approach classes coming from high school and then going into first year or maybe even like second, third and fourth year? <laughs> Ryan's like, oh, oh I got this. Um, every oh, yeah. single one. Um, Ryan, do you, do you want to go ahead? <laughs> yeah, uh, for me, organic chemistry was a uh, was a very different approach than any other courses because it has so much like str- we have so much structures and like chemical bonds and everything to memorize. So uh, before, like in during first year and in other courses in second year, other than organic chemistry, I just studied using like making notes for the class, uh, during the class and reading the textbook, right? But for organic chemistry, I really had to draw everything on my iPad, look at it upside down, like from the sideways <laughs> to, to get like, to get the structures in my head. And yeah, that, that was just a very shocking, shocking course to me because of that, because of like the new way of studying. Right. And this is kind of um, also unrelated. I'm asking really personal questions. I hope somebody in the audience is like relating. But um, for me, I'm like kind of thinking about what to save up for and something that's um, like, like notes, right? Some people find that their handwritten notes are better. And some people find that iPad notes are better. For the MedSci course, do you suggest that I invest in an iPad? Or do you think paper and pen is the best way to go? Uh, I'll go again. Uh, I personally, I for the organic chemistry course, I invested in iPad and it was very effective because I I honestly did not have a good hand, like like a, like note-taking skills with pencil, but with iPad and with different apps, you were able to organize like, like a large amount of data into like different chunks and categorize them. And it was so easy to access them. So I do think it will be a great investment, but if you have a great way of organizing, even like without the iPad, like pencil and paper, that gets the job. Yeah, okay. David? <laughs> yeah, I think, yeah, for me, it was kind of a different story. Um, a lot of students did have iPads and stuff, but like, not gonna lie, I bought a new MacBook when I got into university, which is like pretty common, but like, dude, like I was shit broke. I could not afford that. <laughs> I was forced to just like do the caveman way of like a pencil and paper but honestly I think it was still like very manageable um at the end of the day I think uh it's really not too bad and something that I in the specific context of like organic chemistry and stuff like you're you're not obligated to but you're highly suggested to buy like this model kit and it's basically like it's like lego for adults and like you just build like these molecules and stuff like while you're in class even and like they like the pieces snap together so satisfyingly and stuff and like that helps with like the sort of visualization aspect and stuff so it's not necessarily like it, it like mandatory that you buy an ipad but you know like if you have an ipad at home anyways then yeah i think it would be pretty uh it'd be pretty pretty helpful yeah that, David, that was a really big tip there. Uh, for anyone going into university, when you get to organic chemistry, your profs will, I think they'll all recommend it. But when they recommend that you get one of those mall kits, for sure do it. Because there's so many things in organic chemistry that are also like 
literally about like the direction if something is clockwise <laughs> or counterclockwise. And bro, if you don't have that thing to move around, it's impossible to do it in your head. Um, I, you know, you can do it, but really <laughs> just buy like the $30 kit. It'll, it'll save you so much time. And then another thing, at least at Western, um, is that for some of the exams, they would actually let you bring the model kit with you. Um, so like you can't bring notes, you can't bring anything else, but you can bring the model. With thinking back on it, it's like kind of wild because like for some of the questions, I like finish the exam and then have like an extra like 20, 30 minutes. I would literally sit there and construct like this elaborate molecule just to see if I could, was like right with my answer when I was doing a multiple choice question. And like two or three times that saved me for sure. No doubt. So yeah, whenever you, whenever someone tells you to go buy like a molecular model kit or something for your course, honestly, just do it. Mm -hmm. What are your favorite courses or classes you've taken in med side? Yeah, I can answer first for this one. Um, to be honest with you, I think the first two years, there's really nothing too special, at least in terms of the mandatory courses, just because I think like just by the sheer volume of students that have to take those courses, they are just like kind of mundane and like you're just going to lecture and you're doing like multiple choice exams and stuff. But electives, I think, are really where things kind of get cool. Um, sorry, the neighbor's dog is going crazy, but... Uh, <laughs> Basically, I think for me, like two, like the two most favorite courses I've ever had, just because I think it's like a bit of a tie. Um, the first one would be like classical studies um, and basically like classical mythology and uh, ancient court. Um, these are like, I'm not going to lie, they're certified bird courses at Western and they are honestly so enjoyable. The people working in the classics departments are so amazing uh, one of my profs, like, she'd come to class in, like, this Greek, like, tunic every time we had class, and she sang us a song in, like, traditional ancient Greek or something, which is different from, like, modern-day Greek somehow, and it was really weird, but it was so engaging and so interesting and such a breath of fresh air, like, away from the sciences that I thought it was just really fun, and then the second thing I think would actually be the thesis, um, like, I've never had a course that just gives you so much individual agency and a sort of individual like ability to go and explore that which really interests you. And then to also put you in like basically a mock like professional environment. And prior to the thesis course, I had been in a couple of research labs as well. But I think the thesis course is really great because like it sort of obligates your instructors and your uh, like your supervisors to like make them take care of you kind of because like you have assessments and like they're due and they have to mark them. so. Like they basically have to pay attention to you, whether they like it or not. And that feels really good to have like a guiding hand and like a reason. So. And kind of asking an additional question to that statement, how can you make yourself, like how did you make yourself stand out in a classroom of like, however many people, how did you make yourself seem like somebody to, you know, invest your time in? Honestly, I didn't. <laughs> like, I was never really the kind of student who um, like asked a lot of questions in class or something like, like there were always these like few kids, like in a lecture hall of like thousands of people, they're just there like asking the randomest questions as if they just want to be like the sort of like center attention or something, or they just wanted to like, like garner the most like popularity or something from the profs. But like, I was never the type of student to do that. Um, I guess the way that I sort of stood out is that by taking like the thesis course, and sort of qualifying for taking the thesis course by having like good enough grades and stuff like you get matched with a supervisor no matter what 
Mm-hmm. Um, so you don't have to stand out just to have someone pay attention to you, which is mm-hmm. honestly, it sounds so like bad that like, that's what it's come to. But honestly, like that, that is what it is. To answer Samir's questions first, actually. Also, I was not one of the students who wanted the attention amongst like the 200 kids. So, uh, but what happened was in third year, the class uh, with the specialization, the class size gets smaller and smaller, right? So there are more chances for you to show yourself to the prof. This doesn't have to be like a thing in like academic setting, like you asking like scientific questions, something related to the course, but you can just be a good sport about everything. Be a nice guy in the class. Like, yeah, be cheerful, have positive energy. Then they'll definitely remember you. And, and yeah, alongside that, uh, like the profs are very good people to like have conversations with. They, they'll try to have conversations with you, try to learn who you are. So yeah, uh, I think like uh, like showing yourself to the prof will come naturally in third year and fourth year. So don't stress yourself in first year and second year. Just try to have fun, you know, <laughs> learn as much. <laughs> uh-huh. Um, and so for uh, MedSci, for, you know, maybe people applying from high school or also, you know, applying later on once you're in first year, um, someone's wondering, uh, are extracurriculars a really big factor? Like, do they show up on your application? Is that something that you guys were really invested in before or after? And what's that like? Uh, I'll go first then. Uh, uh, I, I personally do not believe that the universities can see your extracurriculars uh, mm-hmm. when you apply. So I don't believe that it is a imperative factor during their university application. But however, <laughs> I, I think that the activities you do in high school will continue on to university. So for me, I was, uh, I was in student council in high school and I wanted to continue uh, working in like a student governance uh, and organizations like that. So uh, in first year and second year, I worked in like residence councils or like like student science councils as like an event planner or something. So yeah, it, it will be a, like a good warm up for university. Yeah, um, I think uh, for some for some stuff, it's the same with me. Like I'm pretty sure at least when we were applying to MedSci, like we did not have to write any essays. We did not have to fill out any other additional application. We got in solely based on a numbers game where if your average was high enough, then you're in. And if it's not high enough, then uh, like you're not in. Um, I don't know if that's changed. I feel like it might, maybe it has. Um, and that's like in stark contrast with like the health side program. They have you write like three essays about like the weirdest topics you'll ever see under the sun. Um, but at least at Western, um, I agree. Yeah, like they don't look at your extracurriculars, but um i think for a lot of uh your listeners or for a lot of students who might be like thinking about medical school and stuff um university is really a good time to like sort of explore extracurriculars um and to really get involved and i think that at least for me like i grew up my whole like basically my whole life in toronto and i lived like downtown toronto like i used to live like by the eaton center and like i remember whenever i would try to find like a volunteering opportunity or trying to find a job it's like i'm like some 15 year old who just like is like anxious but like they're university students and grad students like already taking my place and stuff. And I'm like, hey, can't find a job, broke as hell, can't find a volunteering job. Like I literally can't do anything. At least that's what it felt like in Toronto. 
But after I moved to London, um, I found like so many, so many organizations and so many like employment opportunities as well in the city of London. And like, these were like amazing, amazing extracurricular opportunities. Like most, like most vividly, like I signed up to do this like volunteering role where basically I would dress up in like a six foot five bear mascot costume and like walk around in the ward of like, like the children's floor at like the hospital downtown London, like literally like dabbing and flossing. <laughs> my ass in front of these kids to make them laugh when they like got admitted to the hospital and like that's something i feel like i never really would have gotten to do in toronto because there's just like so much competition for everything and then later on when i was at western like i found an opportunity to volunteer with like retired um canadian veterans who were uh, also at the local hospital and like they were so desperately understaffed like i got approved for the volunteering process in like a week and like it was just such a great experience for me um, so also if any of you are at Western right now, or if any of your listeners are like thinking about going to Western and like, they want to know like what these programs are, like, feel free to like just send them my name or my email or something. I'm happy to share that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, seriously, like, I think like for in terms of extracurriculars, finding great ones are a lot easier at like, like in London versus Toronto. I will ta- be taking up your advice for that. Trust me, I'm going to be bugging you as much as possible. <laughs> so my question with that would be this year, because of COVID, I have struggled so hard to find volunteering opportunities, but I have found like a few that are amazing. And so for those who are struggling, they can't find good volunteering opportunities or anything that's related to what they want to get into. Do you have any advice or any suggestions for them? Yeah, sure. Um, I think it it's a lot easier once you get into university because in university, like the clubs and the student associations truly do help you out so much. Like for me personally, like honestly, this is going to be super biased because like this is what I was, but um, I was the president of the Bachelor of Medical Sciences Association at Western. Um, and one thing that we really tried to do was to increase the availability of like volunteering opportunity students even if it was like an at-home like um opportunity um and like we would we published like spreadsheets online of just all the opportunities that are available and like these are opportunities that you could do like honestly like if you're a student anywhere like a student at U of T or like a student even in high school right now like you could go like check that resource out and like sort of see what you can do so I think it um I think it might just be a matter of being in university and then trying to sort of keep your like your ear close to the ground to just try and like see or hear about any sort of opportunities. But you're absolutely right in that like a lot of volunteering right now is just absolutely like demolished. Like there's no hospital mm-hmm. volunteering. Like you basically can't go anywhere. So it's definitely a tough time too. And I, I guess one thing that might people like might stress about is like, oh, like if you are applying to medical school or something that like, oh, like these people, like the, the admissions committee will see like I'm basically like not doing anything. But like, again, they understand like with the circumstances that we're in. So Honestly, like, don't don't stress too much about it. Yeah. Also, yeah, I want to emphasize that, like, if you have a group of friends with similar interests, like helping out the community, or even this organization too, the OYMS, you know, <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, if you have a like a group of people with like similar interests, like, don't be afraid to create your own like organization and start helping out the community, because. Yeah, like uh, me, uh, uh, when COVID just uh, started happening, uh, my friend, my friends and I, we started an organization called a student relief team. And we started donating, uh, like 
get, uh, getting masks and 3D printing mass straps and donating to the like the high high risk like communities and stuff. So yeah, like you you can always start something new, like with a good idea and good people. You know, you can always get that. That's really amazing, guys. Also, uh, both of you like extracurriculars. Uh, <laughs> you guys, uh, I need like update my LinkedIn and like try to get to that level or something. Like you guys are doing great. Um, you know. Is there something if you guys would go back extracurricular wise or even education wise that you guys would have started as like earlier, you know, like this organization that Ryan is talking about, like that sounds amazing. And I mean, David being the president of any sort of club is a great achievement to have. So, you know, what advice would you guys give to other people uh, if you could start something earlier? You know, what would you guys recommend? Uh, maybe we'll start with David. Yeah, sure. Um, I think, I mean, I personally, in first year, barely did anything. Um, I was really concerned about school grades. Um, and that really sort of deterred me from going out, like, away from campus or even on campus and just, like, like attending any sort of event. Like, someone, like, a club could be even having something for, like, free pizza, just, for, like, an info session or something. And I would just be like, oh, like, I don't know if I want to go to that. Like, I might want to study a bit more. And I think that was probably, like, my biggest regret of university because, like, at the end of the day, like, um, for students who are, like, super high achieving and stuff, like, a couple extra percentage points on, like, your final grade really won't hurt, like, won't help you as much as, like, going out and making, like, that one meaningful connection that, like, links you to an organization that you actually are passionate about and that you do have, like, a big interest about. So I think that sort of what tip I would say is try and go out there and explore what you can as early as you can even if it might come at like a tiny bit of a cost to like your academic performance or something just go out there and give it a go and then in terms of like academic like regrets so to speak I think one thing is that I wish I spent less time studying like, <laughs> I wish I spent less time studying so I could just go out and do more stuff basically uh, I'll add on to what David said uh also very very similar to david i i wish i started doing more like extracurricular activities in first year like volunteering in hospitals applying there and very like david i was a big nerd not not saying that i'm not a nerd right now but i was a bit even bigger <laughs> nerd but yeah i was staying home studying we were studying together and in hindsight that was not it i wish i had more fun in university and like that 5% I gained probably wasn't even worth it. I, I'm not saying marks are not important, but the experience that you have in university, like you, you can't like get that again anywhere else, right? So yeah, try to cherish every like, like fun time you have and try to make that fun time more often, go out and drink more, have fun, go clubbing. <laughs> <laughs> not, not recommended, but just try to have fun. That, that's, that's my recommendation. So with that, if you guys don't mind me asking, again, I'm getting really invasive, but so have you applied for med school or if that's something that you're interested in? Yeah, okay. Have you guys gotten accepted or is that something that happens later on? Um, Tears are about to start coming out. Um. <laughs> Yeah, I guess I can share my experience on that. Actually, just uh, just to add on really quickly what Ryan was saying before, Ryan mm -hmm. and I also gave me quite a biased perspective on this because both of us were stupid enough to select the option on the <laughs> residence like quiz asking you like, oh, like 
do you go to sleep early? Do you go to sleep late? Do you prefer living with roommates who like uh, have, are like like morning people, night people, messy people, like clean people? Like in that like questionnaire, they, there's this one question they ask you: Do you want to be in like a living learning community? They call it like that's not, like it's something like that, and they basically just put you on a floor with all the people in your program. And like on paper, you think like, damn, like that's so lit. Like all my friends will be having quizzes the same time I'm having quizzes. We can party together. We can do that sort of stuff. If you're going into MedSci, do not live on that floor. I'm just going to say I was honestly a pretty fun guy in grade 12. But man, the pressure of living on that floor with other students who were like gunning for the top of the class all the time. Like it was a week. I remember people were getting like, like shit face drunk across the street, like yelling out chug. Like, and I hear across the street and like I walk past like my, my lounge in first year and I just see kids like studying physics and stuff. And it's like, we haven't even had a class yet. And I'm just like, wow, like this is, this is crazy. So I would just, as a quick disclaimer, I just would not select that. Um, and honestly, then you'll probably have just enough fun. Mm -hmm. uh, but anyways, getting back on topic, getting back on topic. Um, sorry, what was the question again? Uh, <laughs> medical school. Medical yes. School. Have you applied to medical school yet? Yes. Yeah. Um, so full disclosure, I personally applied once in third year um, and I interviewed at the University of Ottawa, but I got rejected. Um, and then this year I applied again um, and I got an interview um, at McMaster and I was accepted. Excitingly. So I will be attending. Congratulations. That's really good. I'm sorry. I'm just like, that's great. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I also applied in third year uh, to Ottawa. But I did not get an interview. Uh, and I applied in fourth year too. I applied both in uh, Canada and US and like more international schools. Uh, I did not get an interview in any of the Canadian schools, but uh, I did have some luck in international places. I got interviewed in uh, uh, National University of Singapore, close to where I live in Korea, and some states, uh, uh, some schools in the States. And yeah, I don't, I don't know why, but I don't think U.S. med school is the move, is the vibe, because uh, uh, it's a nice tip for the listeners here. But if uh, a lot of the U.S. medical schools, they will want you more if you have a relative living in the state, like in the specific state where the school is located in. And if you don't, you you'll probably need to have a great MCAS score, great GPA. Oh, uh, wait, I, I, I'm getting off track, but this is a good tip for, because this is a good tip for uh, uh, students who are willing to apply to US. If you come to York University or Western University, our great conversion system's kind of scuffed. It's so weird. So how it works is uh, in Western, uh, above 80 is 3.7, above 90, uh, above 80, 85 is 3.9 and above 90 is 4.0. But in letter grade, uh, they translate into uh, 80 plus, I believe was A, A minus, 85 plus was A and 95, uh, 90 plus was A plus. And in the States, when they convert it, they just look at A minus like an A. So uh, like an A. So if you have a grade above 80, you have a 4.0 GPA. Yeah, so I had a 4.0 GPA, and 
I was shocked too. Yeah, <laughs> here's the tip. <laughs> yeah. That's some hope for me. Um, <laughs> maybe I can get there. Mm-hmm. And so would you say that the college board, is that what it's called? The college board or admissions board? Am yeah. I saying that right? Okay, great. So, so in high school, when I'm trying to do some research to kind of calm my nerves, I find that it's really difficult to understand how the admission board works or like what they're thinking. Does it get easier or is it just as bad? Oh man, that is an excellent, excellent question. I'll tell you that some schools are extremely transparent with how they assess a student, but that's kind of in relativity because even the schools that are extremely um, transparent have a bit of ambiguity to them as well I can say for a fact that like at least in Canada like Queen's University like I don't know anybody who knows how to get into that medical school like it's like a cult I don't know like it's weird like it's really mysterious um U of T and McMaster like uh U U Ottawa and Western they all post like uh cutoffs for certain um like criteria for example like a gpa cutoff or like your mcat medical colleges admission test cutoff but these are also oftentimes like cutoffs but not necessarily reflective of like a good chance of getting in if you actually have that sort of mark so to be completely honest with anyone pursuing medicine i would say really pursue stuff in the realm of medicine that interests you but don't try and sort of like make your application as appealing as you might think they think okay let me rephrase that let me rephrase that <laughs> no way to be able to crack the code of what the medical school, medical schools want exactly um but just know that if you're always trying to do something and you think that something is benefiting people and you're making a difference in some way um then honestly you just go for it like for example when you do apply or if you do apply to medical school um, you have to complete something called the autobiographical sketch where basically you enter in like 20 or uh, like, I think the limits like 35 different items of stuff that you've done in your life, like uh, clubs you've been part of, um, volunteering that you've done. And like, I'm not going to lie, like back in the day, I used to trade like Pokemon cards and like, that. like no shit, I put that on there just because it was a personal interest of mine. And like, I, I was not discriminated against. So really just do sort of what interests you, but just make sure that you're having fun when you're doing it too. Okay, so uh, Ryan, you want to say something about workload? Yeah, so I personally think that workload is very relative to whoever you are and what kind of studying habits you have and what kind of like work habits you have. Um, David and I, we had had a very good work habit. We, We studied a little bit little bit every day a little bit every day and worked in assignments a little bit every day but but yeah uh we didn't spend too much time on studying or any of the assignments for example one of the assignments during our fourth year for our neurobiology class uh we had to create a 20-minute presentation based on a research paper and our we created a challenge a challenge that we'll finish this project within 10 hours. So we started We started reading the papers, skimmed through it, started making the presentation, recorded the presentation. We finished it in an hour, solid work. And then the mark came out, beautiful. It was amazing. So 
Yeah. So like the the hour you, the amount of hour you put in doesn't always like relate to the the outcome, right? So、mm-hmm. just work smart. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you guys so much. And you know, just one last question before we get to the end of our show. Looking back, what's one piece of advice you guys would give yourself, your past self? You know, in high school, or maybe even a little bit earlier, or in first year, what's one piece of advice you guys would give your former selves?、Uh, let's get started with Ryan here. Me,、uh, I would say find a good roommate <laughs> from first year. Yeah, I I was living with some a poopy roommates for uh for the first two years. Then I and David lured me into his his crib. You know, so I had to go in. But it was such a fun time during the last two years of my university, and yeah,、uh, like、uh, everything like outside of academics, like we were chilling, we we're having fun during the quarantine. We we're just planning events or like playing League of Legends with each other, and yeah, and I, I'm saying this jokingly, but uh, uh, but like having a good roommate is a good like support system that you create. So it will be very beneficial for you and your roommate to, in order for you to be like survive in university in such harsh environment where you have to do assignments every day, every week, and you just look at each other. You have you started the assignment, and this guy's like, "Nah, I haven't," and we all feel great. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's for sure. I can echo that for sure. Good roommates is super, super, super key.、Um, And also, I think like the number one tip. It's like a bit of like what I was talking about before. Is like if any of you or any of your listeners have ever seen the movie Yes Man, where the guy basically just has to say yes to every single thing that's offered to him.、Um, I think that's honestly the tip I give to myself. Like when you have that random person who you've never spoken to before is like, "Yo, there's like a party happening over here," or like, "We're gonna go do something." Honestly, just say yes. Just go give it a go, but say no to drugs. There you go. No drugs. It's all about the consent. Say no to it. Yeah, exactly. Thank you guys so much. It's been it's been an absolute amazing time talking to you guys,、um, and、uh, yeah, I've had an absolute blast.、Um, Me too. Thank honestly. You to- <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. I just want to say I had a really good time. You guys answered questions like really well. Thank you so much for your advice and experiences.、Uh, thank you for having us. Yeah, honestly, it's our pleasure. We're like a bunch of old men now, just like in retirement. <laughs> yeah, like we don't even have TikTok on our phone. Like,、yeah. I don't know what's going on in the world, bro. <laughs> you don't want to know. It's, it's yeah, not great. <laughs> happy to help.、Um, if your viewers have other like specific questions for us or something, I'm sure me and Ryan are like happy to happy to give them a message or something if you guys need. But yeah, yeah, we'll try to put your if you guys want some. LinkedIn, Instagram, email, something. If you guys are comfortable with that, in the description、uh, mm-hmm. below our episodes.、Um, and thank you to all our listeners for tuning in to this week's episode of、uh, OIMS Unfiltered. And I hope you guys all really enjoyed this episode、uh, the same way we did. Thanks again to you guys. It's been an absolute blast. Take care. Bye. Later.